Welcome back to the Hockey Ball Podcast. We can look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. Uh, with me today is a man who I'm certain has found himself 25 minutes into a work work meeting and suddenly realises at a party necking limoncello. It's Ash. Ash, how are we? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Very well. How are you? Mate, I'm all the better because I've just popped open McGuinness and I'm chatting to you at the end of a long day. And, you know, life could be worse. Um, it's still a work party then, isn't it? We've, if you've got booze going on, I'm sure you've got a couple of emails and we can... Uh... Oh, my, my emails <laughs> never stop, mate. My emails <laughs> never stop. Um, how is married life treating you? You're, you're what, two weeks in? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice. I can I can start eating what I want again and not have to worry about the carbs. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm distressed and you can finally have a pint and not worry about whether that money should have gone into the wedding wedding coffers as well yeah well to be fair now we've just booked our honeymoon so all the money's going into that there's always something isn't there <laughs> there's always something where are you going to be going for it we're doing a nice little um road trip from San Francisco down to LA fucking hell mate that's a little taste yeah. that's unbelievable treating ourselves got, got ourselves a little Mustang convertible you, you've actually be. got a Oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. This is going to be, I don't know, I'm sort of picturing somewhere, um, what's that What's that film? Oh, Starsky and Hutch. I've kind of got yeah. Starsky and Hutch vibes. Um, yeah, you know. less racist. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you, if you can avoid that uh, in America, then probably worth doing. Um, <laughs> let's let's be honest. Well, you, were, um, you made it over to the, uh, the neutral grounds of Switzerland, didn't you? I did. I managed to go see my girlfriend, um, talk about neutral things, be in a neutral place, um, eat a lot of cheese. So it's a bit like France, but a little bit less Larry. So, you know, I'll, <laughs> it'll do. I was lucky enough to get away. Um, you know, I think we, we could all do the break and delighted you've got that. Um, I know Fen, I think Fen needs a holiday, but every time he goes abroad, he burns so bad. That is, <laughs> not, man, that is a man not built for the sun. Let's be honest. No. Anytime the sun peers through the clouds, he gets burned. He doesn't have to be abroad. <laughs> Very true. And on that, uh, you know, we talk about the sun poking through the clouds. It's been a cloudy week since we've last spoken. <laughs> Look at that for a segue. Um, <laughs> it's been painful, I think, is the honest answer. Um, we've had two games against Chelsea, which obviously haven't gone very well. And sandwiched that with uh, a bit of shit at, at Morecambe. You know, we got through, but it wasn't good. Um, so today's podcast is all about pain and suffering and learning to be okay with it in a very Antonio Conte <laughs> mentality, I think. We struggle together. <laughs> we struggle together, we suffer together, and we get better, hopefully in time for the North London derby. So boom, there you go. Um, let's start with the worst thing. Uh, Chelsea, we're out the cup. Um, are we not very... The... Um... I think the gulf between it's been written about by everyone and spoken about by everyone, but the gulf between the two clubs is massive, and it should be. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Any time they, apart from when they illegally sign kids and then get themselves a transfer ban, <laughs> if they ever want to rebuild a squad, they just go and whack all their money on it, and it's fine because money's nothing to them. So that they should, they should be so much better than us. So that mm. it's like to me, there's no shame. What we want, what we wanted to see was a bit of fight. And a bit of desire, and we got none of that in the first half. Like in the first game, sorry, it was mm. it was terrible, and <laughs> it was just so bad. And the the errors that led to the goals were just comical, and it was just like, oh, okay, welcome, well, really welcome to top Conte. You had your little honeymoon period. <laughs> this, is, this is life as a Spurs man. 
Mm, I think it's it's funny. We were saying before the game that these are all this was almost just one game split with a week's break in the middle because the exact same thing happened in the first and the second. But Conte must be feeling like we went into that. If that was a boxing match, we went in and before they had even raised their gloves, we just punched ourselves in the face three times. <laughs> fell over. Like, do you know I mean we stitched ourselves up yeah. so quickly in both games? Well, the first game and the second game started quite differently. Like you said, in the, in the first game, we just thought, fuck it, we'll give them two goals. That'd be a laugh. Yeah. And then in the, in the second game, we, we started a bit like a fart. Like, nothing scary. We, we even started to have a bit of fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> we started to have a little bit of fun with it. And then all of a sudden, we just shat ourselves. And it just... I, I, I was going to say, it was a fart after a curry. It was a danger yeah. fart. You don't, you don't take those. You don't take those. You've got to, you know, you got to hold it in. Um, and we didn't. We we gave it all away. It was a bit of a shocker. Um, and I, I completely agree, you know, that the reality is they've got a lot more money. They've got a better squad. I, I have a couple of stats for you, as you know, I do like my numbers. Um, they had Jorginho and Kovacic in centre mid for that second, second game. In the first half, they touched the ball. One of those two touched the ball every 14 seconds. Can you imagine... <laughs> How, like, I don't know, demoralising it must be playing against two centre mids who are literally just touching the ball the what whole it, time. They say about, what did they say about the amount of times men think about sex? Is that like every second, se- seven seconds? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they were... They the were, players they, touch the ball every seven seconds. So those two centre mids were touching the ball almost as much as they think about sex, which is quite something. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, I, I think those two in centre mid, it was just such a golf in, in class, wasn't it? Like, we had a homegrown Winks and Hoiberg for 15 million. And they had, you know, 100 million pounds between those two and then brought N'Golo Kante off the bench, you know, <laughs> World Cup winning centre mid. So it's, it, it's the reality is they are better. They've got more money, bigger squad, better squad. We would expect that. Mm. But I think you hit the nail on the head. We just didn't have any fight, did we? No, no. And there's a lot being said about the fact that we didn't get a single yellow card over those two games, which is a really weird thing to be angry about. Um, mm. But, you know, it's just you just want to see something, a little bit of fight, a little bit of anger that we used to have and that we've just lost. And it's just weird because we've gone from Pochettino, who just loved a bit of fight and a little bit of shit tactics mm. here and there, to Mourinho, who wanted men with bollocks because he's fucking dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> And now we just how we ended up with like no personality is just so weird. Mm. But I mean, if you want to break the games down to the basics, like we lost to a bizarre like mix up at the back. I don't know what was going on for Chelsea's first goal, and an even more bizarre own goal, which um, a lot was being made <laughs> out about Tankanga's attempted clearance. And he should have put the ball anywhere else, but it was it was a freakish own goal, if we're being honest. And it's, and then a set piece. It's it's a freakish one, but I also think you kind of um, I don't know. I've I've played under a coach before who used to say, you know, you give the ball to their weak player and then you don't press the weak player because you want to see what yeah. he does with it because you know he's probably going to panic that he's actually got the ball and he's not being pressed and he'll do something stupid. And to a certain extent, Chelsea at certain moments are like, go on, Tanganga, let's see what you got. Yeah. And he just promptly shat himself. Like, it was, it was pretty quick. <laughs> um, do you, do you I've, think... I've made my thoughts clear on him, like, so many times. That we, we always want to put our homegrown talent on a pedestal. But um, mm. I don't know. He's, he's a weird body shape as well. So imagine even if he was on a pedestal, we'd still look really short against most <laughs> strikers. But He'd squash it. I don't know. Like, he's just... 
yeah, he's just not that good. Like, if we're being honest, he's just not that good. He is like mm. maybe a team who like maybe at Norwich who's like bouncing between Championship and Premier League. That's his standard. And even mm. then, I don't know if we'd be good enough in like a back two. He'd be sort of masked him by playing him full back or in a back three for most of his career, most of his professional career. But um. I think, are we agreed that he's at fault for all three goals? I know a lot have been said about Golini for the, uh, I, the, the goal on the other day. I would put all the blame on Tanganga, but I also think as a collective, it would be it's very easy to pick him out and go, you know, as we're doing and say, you're at fault for all three, you're a fucking idiot. But <laughs> what I will caveat it with is that across in both games, we had about 30, 35% of the ball yeah. and we at no point really create clear-cut chances in either. And that says that there's a bigger problem that just as a team, we were getting swatted aside like flies. And by the way, Chelsea rotated. They didn't even play the first choice. They played a, a <laughs> 4-2-4 because they knew they could against us, and they still did it. So they didn't even you know, have a proper left-back. No, and but I think all we've got to take from it, and what, I'd, what, what, what I'm trying to figure out myself now, because I don't know quite how to feel about this, do you think that Conte threw those games? I think through is a bit strong. That's because you're Italian. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're um, we're a competitive breed. We are. We don't know how to just uh, purposely lose, to be honest. Um, mm. We know how to switch sides. We can do that. No, I don't think he threw him away. I, I, I think he... I think he's coming to terms with the standard of our squad. And let's mm. be honest, without Dyer and Romero, we don't have a defence. Um, yeah. And without Son, we barely have an attack because so much of what Kane does is is um, affected by Son's runs and his work off the ball. But we're asking mm. Kane to do even more defensive work than usual because you're not going to get the same sort of output as Son does. Um, and Lucas is great on so many things but his runs in behind aren't as a uh, as effective as um as sons but i don't know i mean i mentioned the goals that defeated us if you will mm. but the reason yeah. we lost was just because we can't fucking pass a football and it's uh, it's so ineffective <laughs> our, our movement of the ball is so so incredibly bad and um I think we're just desperate, desperate for a centre mid. Like I, Winks, Hoybier, and Skip are perfectly acceptable centre mids. Like there is I, nothing like massively wrong with any of them mm. in terms of they're not hugely flawed in everything. We've had worse centre mids um, <laughs> back so, in the day. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and name them, but we, we've had worse. And I just, but they should just never be played together. Like, mm. only one of them should ever be playing in a Tottenham midfield at any one time. Whether that's a two or a three, only one of them should mm. ever be playing in a Tottenham midfield because they're just coward. I've used coward a lot in group chat, but that's usually when I'm angry and I'm I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm angry a lot. What I mean is safe. <laughs> they're, they're, they're very safe players. And the fact that Winks is the most inventive out of the three of them is really, it's, really I mean, scary. That is, it, that is that is an absolutely criminal position to be in when Winks is your most creative center in the mid. But I think, yeah. and I, I actually think coward is the word because coward for me isn't about ducking out of a 50-50. For me, coward is either going and standing where the centre-back stands and pushing him out of the way, which is what Hoiberg does, or it's refusing to take the ball on the half-turn and actually look up the pitch. Um, yeah. 
so I, I I agree with that. I think the only thing I'll say, and yeah, I mean, look, we always I always talk back to when we could have had Bruno Fernandez and we didn't pay the extra ten mil. Um, you know, if you put a four two three one with Skip and Hoybier behind Bruno, it would be a really effective system because I honestly think they're as yeah. good as Fred and McTominay. But we didn't, so it's over. But what I think is the bigger question here is, you know, why why did we play such a weak team where this whole system relies on wing backs and our mm. wing backs were fucking awful in these two legs? <laughs> like he gave he gave Doherty, you know, 180 minutes of cup semi final, and you could only think, you know, I, I know people like you know Harry Redknapp maybe comes under a lot of criticism and he's now a bit of a Del Boy figure, but other other managers would have prioritised the semi final as the important game. And instead, Conte played his backup keeper, Doherty, and he played, you know, Tanganga and Davies. So yeah. there's an argument. Uh, this, is why, this is why I think it's interesting. Did he, to an, I mean, some people say he's kind of flicking the Vs at Levy and the board, right? Saying, get, get me better players. But is it also, actually, you know what? He'd rather try and have that run to four and he doesn't really give a fuck about the cup. Is that the case? Uh, no, I think I don't. I, I, defence sort of picked itself um he's obviously really concerned about the speed and the physicality of Lukaku and Werner and who else whoever else they wanted to play which is why mm-hmm. he's gone with I mean Sanchez has to play when Dyer and Romero aren't there he has to play um I'm not convinced by Rode and everyone's you know on, on Twitter might be losing their shit about him not being in the team but I don't know I've never been convinced by him he seems really weak like really weak like he's not I've he's I've, not I've never liked Roden I've never no. liked Roden, and Fen, Fen and I have always clashed on this opinion because I think he can't yeah. pass the football for fucking toffee. But no, that... no. <laughs> he's he's another yeah. He just seems so weak. And then the the only thing I can justify for Doherty playing, especially him playing on the left, is that um, obviously Reguilon's out, and um, Sessegnon's just come back from a long series of injuries, and mm. he's trying to manage that for the long term. I I think I think in the long term he you. He, he prefers Sessignon and he thinks Sessignon's a much better player. I hope mm. he does because Doherty's dog shit. <laughs> if Conte rates him, then he, I don't know he, how I feel about Conte anymore. If he doesn't think Sessignon's better than Doherty, then I've got uh, some serious issues with our manager. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll leave it there. But, no, I think, look, we know we got outgunned and there's nothing wrong, right, with being outgunned by a team that's got a lot more money and is a lot more successful than us and that's the nature of life sometimes. It sucks that they're the cunts from the bridge, but that is the deal. I agree, though. I think I don't think we had our strongest team out, and I think we played really badly. And it's 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 a shame, you know. People used to talk about how Kane can impact the big games. In all the big games, he just seems to go missing. So I think there's 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 problems there, but we have to let it go. Yeah, we're racing the Porsche in a Ford, weren't we? But the problem was we didn't get out of third gear. <laughs> well, I mean, into third gear, I think even that, you know, we're just fucking stalling every time that we try to <laughs> try to start the fucking car, sticking um, it in reverse by accident. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, look, from from a very disappointing result and performance to a less disappointing result, but still quite a disappointing performance. Um, we played Morecambe on Sunday, um, and the nice thing was the stadium was pretty packed. I think, you know, a lot of people went to the game. It was great to see such a such an awesome atmosphere. Um, but they got a bit of a shock, didn't they? Yeah, it was... I knew it was coming as well. Like, I just had that <laughs> feeling. Like, more am I going to score at some point? And it, it was another set piece as well. And I, I just remember seeing the ball coming in and then seeing a massive hole in front of the goalkeeper. 
thinking, yeah. what the fuck has happened here? And that's almost a carbon copy to Rüdiger's goal. Apart from it was Tanganga again. Ahead of the ball, in a free volley. It was almost identical. And um, I knew it was going to come. I just, I just knew it. And I just, I was just hoping that would at least have enough of the ball and create some sort of problems for them. But um, I don't know. It's like we wanted, we wanted to give them something to cheer. But go on, go on a little while more, come at the bottom of, was it League One? Um, you know, you, League Two or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> they're a lower, they're lower league nonsense. And with all due respect, <laughs> to, actually, you know what? Fuck Jim. Fuck, I, I, I have to give Jim no respect today. He's not here to defend himself. Lower league teams like that are just there to be battered aside in the cup. And it was really poor that we got to that point in the game. And Tong, sorry, not Tong, the, um, Tanganga again as the one who was guilty of, he couldn't follow like a fucking League Two centre back and mark him. That's like, it. It's a centre back as well. It wasn't even a striker. No, <laughs> it was a centre back that just stepped forward twice and kicked the. I was going to say he didn't exactly throw some amazing <laughs> NFL routine of you know three steps here, change direction, pirouette. It was a fucking sort of three steps forward, and Tanganga was like, "Oh, never mind then." Like honestly, it was fucking ludicrous. But he, even though he did so badly, it's weird. I don't think people were most annoyed with him in that game because there was another fella who did probably the most, I don't know, for a lot of fans, one of the most unforgivable things you can do. And that yeah. was Mr. Ndombele. Um What did you think of that? Um, I don't know. I think he's one of those players that his, whoever's booing him, his responsibility to stick two things up, like metaphor, like he's not, that's <laughs> not going to do anything for him. He, he just doesn't give a shit. Like, um, it's just not going to phase him. If if you if we he needs he's someone who needs love, and I'm not saying he deserved it. Like mm. he's that just his performance was shit enough to start, let alone then just trudging off the pick. And you, I think there's a clip of Kane even telling him to hurry the fuck up. Yeah, get, yeah. Or and um, I think Dyer giving him a little shove, or someone giving him a little shove. So it's just it's not great. But I don't know. And then I had time to think about it afterwards, and I, I just found myself thinking, why is why is someone like him with disgrace and embarrassment and should never be seen in a Spurs shirt? And then we had people like Gascoigne who were like mavericks. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, what's the difference between? I guess I guess what people will say is that Gaz always gave everything on on the pitch, but like, I don't know. Like Dembele's always he's always turned up to training. Mm. He's always he's always worked hard at worked hard in brackets, I guess. I would, um, I would I would dispute the working hard. I think the thing that's worked hardest yeah. is his fork. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just I just think the the reaction as a whole over his whole Spurs career from Tottenham fans has been on the harsh side. It's just one of those where it just hasn't worked out. It happens to the teams all the time. Mm. Every league with signings, like a small percentage of signings actually work out. Um, for especially when you're talking about big sums like this, it was always going to be a big risk taking a young lad out of his comfort zone, out of his country, into a new, um, completely new location, and then sacking the manager a couple months later, bringing in Mourinho, who's just an asshole, isn't he? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then obviously we had we had lockdown as well, which is means if you're just, if you're a young lad out of your country and you can't see your friends and family, even harder, to make it harder. So. He's just he's lost that adjustment time that like we need like so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt not not that I I, I think he he needs to go mm. for everyone's benefit I think it's never going to work at Tottenham which is which sucks because he's clearly 
one of the most gifted players, technically gifted players at the club. Um, it's just it's just not going to work for him. He just needs to go. I don't know where he can go because his wages are extortionate. And if I was him, I'd be the same. It's like, why would I take a pay cut? Yeah. <laughs> he, especially with the experiences he's had, he almost didn't make it at all. And you know, why why would he? So I think he. I, I think know. he. I just, the, the, the saddest thing for me than Dombrey, and I saw this on Twitter and I've actually copied and pasted it because it was so on point. I'm not going to cite who it was because I can't fucking remember, but I will, I, <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll read it out. The absolute worst thing about Ndombele from a transfer perspective is that we did absolutely everything we yell at Spurs for not doing. We spent a lot of money on an exciting young player other teams wanted for a position of need, and it was still a disaster. That's that's everything. I've seen that. Yeah, and the, the weird thing about it was as, as well is that we've always known that we've only ever had one creative player. And in that window, we signed two because we brought Lachelso in as well. And neither oh. of them have worked. I think, I think, I still think lachelso has got more of a chance of working. I'm not convinced mm. it will. I think there's more chance because um, I genuinely do think he's been unfortunate with, with injuries and I, I, he doesn't deserve half the shit he gets on Twitter. Um, there's still a lot more to come from him and a lot more that he needs to put in as well to be a success. But um, that's, yeah, the window just seems so good at the time. And we've brought in young English talent in Cessna as well. We're like, this is amazing. Like, we're doing mm. exactly what we need to do. And, it, yeah, again, it just goes to show how how difficult it is to get a transfer window correct. Like, it just it doesn't happen that often to that many teams. Even, even especially, like, when you get into this stage. Like, I guess for we should be looking to work in the same sort of brackets as, as Leicester. But at the same time, we wouldn't be happy if we were signing the same sort of players as Leicester are, because we want to be comparing ourselves in the big leagues with your cities and your Juventus and your Bayern Munich. Do you know what I mean? So when you mm. get to that standard, then you're, you're scouting in such a small pool of talent might be good enough for you. It's going to be so risky about whether it works on works or it doesn't, which is why a lot of people are talking as well about how good city um, Villa have done to pick up Coutinho and Dinho, but that's, that's their pool of talent they're working in. Players that yeah. other slightly bigger teams don't want anymore, and people, you know people who people who are also chasing the Everton Cup apart from Everton. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's it's so I look the, the recruitment hasn't been good enough, and we'd hope with the changes. Apparently, it's not just bringing in Palatici. Apparently, there's been a lot of change in the back and the whole structure of the scouting system and there's been mm. all sorts of different roles posted online as well that they're trying to feel to be a part of that so i hope moving forward we will see an improvement um and i think the majority of the the summer signings gone will work out i think romero is gonna be a fantastic center half um mm. emerson is a perfectly good right back he's not an amazing right wing back um he's not gonna He's not going to win us games on his own, but he might help us, you know, for a season. I think he's, he's a perfectly he's, good player to have in the squad. He's serviceable, and yeah. he's only 22, so I, I, I have no issue with Emerson. I, I think that the reality is then Dombele, the Celso, Sessegnon. I think we've signed a lot of players historically in a bit of a scattergun approach, without much structure in terms of how they're going to fit into a team and and a sort of a way of playing. Because if you think of Ndombele... He was we, we knew he sort of needed to be looked after and nurtured and loved in a certain way. And he was bought as a holding mid. Like he, he was an exceptional player receiving the ball under pressure and not giving yeah. it away. 
and then remember we, him against uh, against City for yeah, for Leon, and he was that Leon. holding deep. He kept his position exceptionally well. Yeah. And his defensive work in that game was as important as his ability on the ball. And and that's where we signed him. And then you're right, all those managerial changes happen, different styles, different people, you know, but and I think the same with Lacelso, like Lacelso played well in a in a team that played like a three four three, playing as a ten. And then he was asked to be a box to box centre mid, then sometimes a ten, then sometimes a right wing. The number one thing that we need to do better, and actually it's not so much about the sum of money we spend, but we need to sign the right kind of player. Like, I'd rather go out and buy Max Arons from Norwich if he's the right guy for right back because the way you want to play. And yeah. at the moment, we have a lot of square pegs round holes, and I think it shows. And I think when we, when we, particularly when we put out our sort of second string 11 in the cup, you could see that team needed rescuing by Moore and Kane because the rest of them were like, they just didn't connect. There was no synergy, no team sort of way of playing, and it all went a bit wrong. Um, yeah, I would, I would say so that a, a, as well as, as as well as the players, like in order to have the right players, you need to have a a, a a consistent system that works through more than one manager, um, mm. so that it's not a dramatic change every time you you lose a manager or you make a decision to move one on. And I mean, it started fairly well because I feel like Nuno was supposed to be a Conte light. Like what he did at, at Wolves was Conte on a budget, and um, you know, with getting fingered by a um, an agent. That's what that's what it was. Um, but, but and then he came to Spurs, and I know that from the moment there was that statement from Paratici about how oh, we used to play four four two, and he played four three three, and then we saw Nuno trying to change his managerial style to fit the club. That's when I started to get worried. But I feel like if he stayed in a three five two or playing with the, the way that Conte does with the the, the emphasis on the win backs and all, and all that sort of stuff then it would have been easier for us to sign players that would have been adaptable to a slight changes from different managers that come in over time mm. we then we ended up buying players like Brian Hill who's just was pretty much a um uh what do they call it when you, you get the um you know the the paint on your studs sort of winger where he's he's tugging oh, the touchline so- Ah, chalk on the chalk on the boots. Chalk, kind that's of the one. That's the one. Um, so it doesn't really fit in the three-five-two where they're sort of inside wingers. That's never, never really been his role. And the same with Emerson, like we said, he's perfectly serviceable, but he's not a ring, right, right wing back because the two things he lacks most are um, his ability to take on a man and his ability to cross. Yeah, uh, it's it's it, it's a problem in terms of planning, and I, all I can hope is that Paratici is now you know he knows how to work with Conte knows the kind of players he wants and they're clearly working on a system and a style so who knows some would say Adama Traore is a good fit for that system I'm not going to say it again I've had my argument with Fen on this podcast we'll leave it there <laughs> but all we can hope is a better structure moving forward and maybe getting to the quarterfinals of the cup before we again get knocked out by one of the big three. So <laughs> it's all we can do. It's little hopes and we enjoy the cup days as they come. Um, I want to move on because I want to talk about uh, someone who I think epitomise, epitomises a lot of the things that we want to see in our players on days like that, in terms of the attitude, the bravery, the commitment. And someone who's been probably, I would argue, either our player of the season or runner-up to so far season, Eric Dyer. So I don't know if you've seen this. Um, Eric Dyer did an interview on the High Performance podcast, that like Jake Humphreys thing. Um, yeah. And and I immediately shat myself 
a bit tankangara <laughs> and was like fucking hell where where's he gone with this this is a bit dodgy like usually people do this after they've retired not like when they're still very much in their career <laughs> but really interesting did you have you listened to it um if not you, you have what's yeah, very recently uh he's he's brave man in in what he does in that he's the importance of putting himself out of his comfort zone throughout his career um can't be can't be understated like mm. moving over to portugal obviously that wasn't his choice but in that 13 moving out of his family house to go and live in um, the academy at sporting mm. like that's a massive decision to make at 13 years old and you know he's living with boys or be around boys from the ages of like 10 to 18 like it's just such mm. a weird environment and a language that he probably hasn't even mastered yet um and i think that sort of mentality brings himself to onto the, in his performances out on the pitch i think we can see it um yeah he's never he's never like whatever we've had we've ever, whatever we thought about his performances over the years whether he's letting silly mistakes he's never he's never hidden from responsibility he's never mm. um he's never like even when he was playing in midfield like he wasn't he wasn't standing <laughs> in the coward positions like Hoybier. like he no he was always ready to complete a task that was asked of him and i he I've I've had my issues with him over the years in terms of his performances, but never his attitude. And mm. he's the kind of guy that you need in a squad. Um, do I think there's better centre-backs than him out there? Probably. But are there any better in our squad right now? Probably Only not. one. Only one. His name's Christian <laughs> Romero. Um, no, I, I, look, I, I agree. I think I, I couldn't believe when I heard, yeah, 8 till 20 living in Lisbon without his family from 13. Um, when he said, and I thought, I couldn't believe this, like when he came back to England uh, to, to go to Everton for a bit, his parents were worried about him losing his ability to speak English fluently. That's how Portuguese he is. We need to not think of him. I know everyone kind of laughs and is like, oh, he's, it's a bit of a ridiculous rule that he's not a um, you know, not homegrown product because he's English. Yeah. His, his passport's English. But he's basically he's a Portuguese kid. Like he's he's got such strong cultural yeah, affiliation sounds... there. Yeah, and it's out. It sounds silly, but um, I am like, I, I, it's not. It's, it's it's hardly bilingual. My Italian is fucking awful, but I can <laughs> speak Italian. Like I can hold a good conversation. But yeah. when I went to uni for three years and I wasn't speaking it every day at home, my my standards dropped massively. Like, yeah, it's 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 such an being in a different environment and a different culture has a massive effect on on you. So. Yeah, he's such a he's and it's not just it's not just Portuguese he speaks either. He speaks Spanish fluent Spanish fluently as well. Mm. Um he's such a smart young man and he, he's a proper proper leader. I say young yeah. man, I think he's my age. He's, he's, <laughs> I was say, I'm pretty sure he's twenty eight now, he's like us, but he, he, I, I don't know. I think he he's he's clearly a leader. I just think I, I found it, I'd encourage anyone listening, um, go and listen to it. It was a really good interview, great insight into him. And I think you 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 know, we talk about all those characteristics we like in or we'd like to see in our team about that bravery the commitment the determination and he's, he encapsulates a lot of them but yeah. I loved as well when he spoke about and I think it's something we we as a club should be better and I hope the team would be better at the name names stuff you know he didn't like when people kind of walk into the locker room and throwing shit and getting sort of like but sort of like angry with like with the team because they don't they're not brave enough to actually be like Delhi, do this you know x do this and he's he encapsulates so many of those personalities i wonder if in time after the roots he might be 
a better captain for us than Kane, frankly. You know, maybe maybe he he won't chew his tongue as he gives a team talk. Who knows? You know, it could be a whole new sort of level. But he came out really well, and I think he epitomises all the traits of what we want because it's okay if we go out in the court final of the cup. It's okay if we don't win trophies. I know some people disagree with that, but you know, not everyone gets to win a trophy every year, and we're not the most financially you know successful club, and we we have, we're still growing in that area. But if our team can go out and show the commitment and the desire in big games and in their day-to-day work that Eric Dyer does, I think we'd be pretty happy as fans. I don't know if you think that's fair. Yeah, that's all we what we want to see. We want to see, um, especially paying like the highest t- ticket prices as well. And obviously, we want to see quality. We want to see fantastic goals and great passing moves, and and you know, at the very least, a, a, a solid defence. Um, mm. But what we want to see most is that the the effort and the pride that we have in supporting our club is is reflected back to us by the guys on the pitch. And at the moment, there's too few players on there that do that. And I think I can only name maybe four: mm. in Larice, Larice, uh, Lucas Mora, Son, and Dyer. Yeah, I'd 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 probably add Hoyberg to that and Skip. Maybe I think I I, I do think they they show the commitment to. I think that around that we've got some some challenges but no it was an interesting podcast and listen i'd recommend it but it made me think it was a great kind what of do they need uh, they don't need us plugging them <laughs> they, they, that's true i was gonna say jake humphreys with his half a million people a week i think he's all right um but it did make me think about all those characteristics particularly because this weekend if there was ever a game where you need that that bravery and that desire and to show show the fans that you understand what their passion is it's when you've got the North London derby against the Woolwich Wankers. So, yeah, talk to me. How are you feeling? We're 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 four four days out. What's the vibe? Well, we're uh, we're recording on the day of their um their little semi final with Liverpool, and <laughs> with uh, Cedric Suarez has gone off injured. Shaka has been sent off, so he's suspended. I read oh, somewhere that they've got about twelve outfield players. Thirteen, if you call their uh their little centre mid Patino who they're all sort of coming their pants up. Um <laughs> so I don't know, maybe they'll pull a Liverpool and get the game called off. So who who knows? But um we I just want better than last time. And I know it was Nuno last time. I know we were really, really, really shit back then. But that performance against them in the return leg was just awful. I I don't remember seeing a more toothless performance. Mm-hmm. Um since I don't know, since the start. I don't, I, to be honest, I don't remember watching one ever. I don't, particularly because there've been previous games where they've just been better than us. Like there were points in the yeah. Wenger era where they had like Sesk running the midfield with peak Adebayor or Van Persie, and I was like, well, fair. No, like, even mention Henri. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, but like I'm thinking of like when I from you know the last yeah. decade certainly like there's just been moments they've been better, but I've never seen a you know in what should be on ability level quite an even game. I've never seen us fold like we did in the first half. So I feel like that that team, that group of players needs to really like raise it and recognise that it's going to be about the attitude and the desire on Sunday. And maybe that's a fucking cliche. But I actually do believe on this occasion, the cliche is right. Um, we won't kind of labour it because no one wants to hear too much of us waffling on about something that's hypothetical. But in the interest of doing so, what are you excited for on Sunday and what scares you? What am I excited for? Fucking hell. Uh, you're asking that after the week we've just had. Yeah. 
there must be some there must be some positive I mean, you know some little inkling inside which is like oh maybe I mean, we can do it for that reason i'm excited for it to be over to be honest <laughs> once it's done and then we can just move on whatever the result we can just move on and get off on with our lives and just forget about the bullish bastards for another year um, <laughs> wow, no i okay. don't know i want to see i want to see some some good delivery into the box because that's what we really like i feel like um we can do that against arsenal because they will give you opportunities <laughs> to to cut them open um we our problem at the moment has been sort of putting the cutting edge onto our attacking movements mm. but i think if anyone's going to give us the opportunity to create chance after chance it's going to be arsenal um what we need to do is really get in their faces because they the only club other than us and everton who like to shit the bed the most is, uh, <laughs> our northern cousins yeah exactly so that's i'm excited to hopefully see uh some fights some energy and some cutting edge i'm a bit worried about um saka and martinelli to be honest mm. they are plays i think are excellent excellent players the the pace and their ability on the ball their, their close touch dribbling i think it causes a few problems i think on. we can't play doherty and his um snail like fucking feet um <laughs> we need people who, who actually have a bit of mobility for so many reasons we we can't play doherty and yet he'll start <laughs> on sunday um i i think I mean, I love the fact that as a as an ex centre back, your your basic sort of what you want to see on Saturday is get in their faces, and I fully respect that. Um, but what the number one thing for me is, I just like to see us press press a bit high. Like, if you actually look, I don't know, did you watch the Nottingham Forest game when they lost in the cup? Yeah. The one I, I thing watched with glee, mate, absolute glee. Oh, oh it was delightful. But, <laughs> but one thing I would say about it was that Forest actually really successfully made their centre mids play backwards and basically forced them not to be able to have time on the half turn. And that mm. meant that those, that, you know, o- there's no denying Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka are talented. So Forrest made them go basically just down the line where it's easy to shepherd those players away from goal. If we don't get tight to those centre mids, then, you know, we're opening up a can of worms. So you've given the classic centre-back answer of getting their face I've given the classic centre mid answer of let's control the ball in the middle of the park and get the press on. <laughs> you know, if only we had a, a striker here to just say, lads, it's all about putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, and it would be, <laughs> it, be a great time for someone like, I don't feel like Kane's got it in him this year. I don't back Kane. Like, I don't go into this game. If there's Kane's any game, good. if there's any game he's like going to turn up to, the London, he loves the, he loves the, London, uh, the North London derby, though, doesn't he? Well, he says he does. But I mean, did he say that before he's, he's- Anyway, well, I'm not. His gold record's good enough. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to get sucked into Harry Kane uh, frustration on today. I've had enough. But I, I have big hopes for Lucas Mora. That's my tip. I think Lucas yeah. Mora for the for the win. Um, nice. Well, look, I mean, we'll see on Sunday. It could be. It's a weird one where for the battle for the top four, it feels very decisive. Like if one team gets a bit of a crushing win versus the other, suddenly it's a bit different heading into February with that kind of momentum, isn't it? Like this, this feels, it's not just the immediate three points. I think this could be a bit of a sort of, not, not season defining. I don't want to go there, but this could definitely like really either energize or dampen how we feel. 
yeah, again, it's, it's what we wanted, what we're talking about in the um about the Chelsea game. We, we want to see a bit of fight, and against Arsenal, you show a bit of fight, you probably win the game. Mm. Well, if only Ash and I were giving the team talk, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Well, well <laughs> if, if if only it could be that simple. Press high and get in their faces. There you go. Um, and on and on that note of amateur football nonsense, um, it's time to leave it leave it there. And um, thanks so much for listening. Uh, fingers crossed for Sunday, and we'll see you next time.